Now this happened in the mid-70s. My sister and I had both received 10 speed bikes that summer and were riding them all around our neighborhood. I was 14 and my sister was 12 when this occurred. Our mom asked me to go to the local convenience store to pick up a loaf of bread or some other small item. I can't quite recall exactly what it was. Anyway, my sister wanted to go along as well. She always wanted to tag along. It was almost dark, so mom insisted that we hurry. We end up riding our bikes to the store, which is only about a seven minute bike ride away. Pretty close. We get there, get whatever it was that mom wanted, and start heading back home. Again, night was almost upon us, but it didn't scare us at all. There were street lights, and I was a very adult 14 years old. No biggie, right? Well, we thought so. Until we heard this weird whistle in the trees nearing our house on Vine Street. Now, being of Mexican descent, we had both heard stories of all sorts of boogeymen that Mexican parents used to make their kids behave. To scare us. The cucuy, la llorona. Hell, even the devil is thrown in to make you behave. But the one that our grandma, our abuela, told us about most often was La Lechusa, the witch owl, the bruja. According to the legend, La Lechusa was a witch or bruja that could change her form into that of a big owl. But it was not just any owl. It was this horrible mix of woman and owl. And she would whistle at night and if you were foolish enough to whistle back, she'd come for you. Tear your eyes out, that sort of thing. So of course my idiot 12-year-old sister whistles back, thinking it's one of our friends trying to scare us. Bad idea. We hear something moving in the trees as we approach. Leaves rustling, maybe a few branches breaking. And we see this thing fly out of a tree not far in front of us. It's dark. So this thing was either the biggest owl that you ever saw, or Lechusa. I recall the wings were making this loud whoosh sound. We scream and we start pedaling faster. This thing in the sky is whistling that horrible whistle. My sister's crying and I'm trying not to freak out. We make it home and we jump off our bikes, sprinting into the house. The whistling sound lasted for another couple of seconds after we closed the door was crazy and to this day my sister still won't talk about it all you lovely folks out there. I'm Rock, and this is my co-host Max, and we will be your guides as we explore all things supernatural on our new podcast, Nightmares and Daydreams. Yes, welcome. Man, Max, I'm excited, dude. Are you excited? Hell yeah. It's our first show. Inaugural episode, numero uno. I'm super stoked. Same here, man. I'm super excited. And you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't make a quick shout out to the folks doing podcasts in this genre that inspired us. Folks at Astonishing Legends, Graveyard Tales, The Great Jim Herald. I mean, the list goes on. There's so many good shows out there. For sure. Lore, In Search of Monsters, Myths Baby. These are all big inspirations. They gave us the arrogant belief that we too could rock a supernatural podcast. So, you know, if we suck, blame them. <laughs> I also take no blame. In fact, I'll blame you. Okay, so Max, what's our mission here at Nightmares and Daydreams? 
Here at Nightmares and Daydreams, we're going to discuss and debate our way through all things paranormal, legendary, and monstrous. And, of course, fun. Fun. You know, fun's the best part. Fun's important. But, Max, do you want to know what's not funny? What's that? Shapeshifting witches that announce their presence with an otherworldly whistle can summon storms and try to lure you outside by mimicking a crying baby. So maybe tread carefully if it's storming at night in your neighborhood and you happen to hear a strange whistle, baby crying, or stomping on your roof. Maybe stay inside. Honestly, if it's raining outside, I'm probably staying in anyway, but sound advice. And though I didn't grow up hearing about La Lechusa as much as you did, it was definitely on my radar growing up in Central Texas. So, La Lechusa, right? I know you grew up hearing about it and even have a few stories involving relatives that had encounters with them. So give us the basics. Okay, y'all. Here are the basic questions answered concerning La Lechuza. First off, let's get into the language. La Lechuza is Spanish for either barn owl or screech owl. That said, it has a darker meaning in some parts of Mexico and even the U.S. La Lechuza can also mean a shape-shifting bruja or witch. Now, some people say she's just a huge owl. I mean, a huge owl is bad enough, right? I'll pass. Right? I agree. I want no part of the huge owl form of La Lechusa, let alone the hybrid form that some have seen that resembles this monstrous mix of large owl and woman. You know, without a plus five Holy Avenger, I'm out of that picture. Sounds a lot like a Greek harpy or siren to me. You are the classical studies guy, so I'm going to go with you on that one. But, you know, anyway, weren't sirens like fish women, like mermaids that would sing ships to their doom? Actually not, uh, at least not originally. That idea evolved because Odysseus famously passed them in his boat while tied to his mast, making his crew do all the work and row with beeswax plugging up their ears. He wanted to hear the sirens, but for some reason didn't want to pay the ultimate price for it. Listen, man, you want to go to the concert, you got to pay the cover. <laughs> Sounds like a cheater. He was the ultimate cheater, that's for sure. But yeah, if you look at the oldest art that depicts sirens... They're just birds with women's heads, kind of an avian sphinx. A great modern depiction of this is John Waterhouse's painting of Odysseus and the Sirens from 1891. 1891. Mm, not too sure about your definition of modern there, Max. Okay, true, but in context. Anyway, they became a lot more harpy-like. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, some of you art historians out there, but they were first depicted as mermaid-like in the Middle Ages and... There are a number of modern, I'm sticking by that word, Rock. Are you? Modern depictions of sirens in mermaid form. One of my favorites is a painting by Herbert James Draper from the early 20th century called Ulysses and the Sirens. Had to use the Roman name there, mm -hmm. apparently. Uh, the sirens in this painting, though, seem to have shape-shifting abilities, maybe. A lot like the Bruja Lechuzas, because they're shown in various stages of transition. Some are entirely human in form, others in mermaid form. But anyway, like you say, that's a whole nother podcast. Go back to telling us about La Lechusa Rock. Okay, Max. So going back, La Lechusa is sort of this chimera of woman and owl that soars the night sky, spreading havoc and fear, and in some cases, straight up attacks people. There are many tales of people tangling with lechuzas and coming up dead the next day. Now, location-wise, La Lechusa's legend is prevalent throughout Mexico, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California basically the southwestern U.S. Interesting. Honestly, I thought it was mainly central Mexico into south Texas. I didn't realize the legend had spread all the way to California, or rather flew all the way to California, if you know what I mean. 
same. Honestly, when I used to talk to people about it, you know, if they're from North Texas, East Texas, you know, many of them had no clue. Like you, I kind of thought it was a more localized belief. It's so interesting. I remember when we used to bring up subjects like this back in the co-op days. The co-op days. You know, just so our attractive and intelligent listeners know, Max and I met back at the university co-op at the U- University of Texas. And dude, that was like 20 years ago. Doesn't seem that long. I miss our weekly D&D campaigns way more than I miss the bookstore, that's for sure. I also miss Le Fun. You know, we were at that arcade quite a bit. Ah, yes. The halcyon days of our youth spent among stacks of overpriced college books, video game arcades, and debating which weapon is more superior, the plus five defender (laughs) or the plus five holy avenger. Now, as we say, that's a completely different podcast. I mean, who knows what edition D&D is now? Is it fifth edition? I mean, is there a Thacko? Thacko, come on, son. Let's focus. May I continue? Please do, man. Sorry, my bad. Okay, so when we talk about, you know, paranormal stuff, and I love cultural legends so much. When we talked about Lachesis the first time, I recall you being very matter-of-fact in that, yeah, these things exist, and I grew up hearing about them quite often. Absolutely, man. In the Mexican-American community in South Texas, where I grew up, La Lechuza was something that every kid I knew had, had least heard about. Many of them, like myself, had like relatives or friends that had had brushes with her. I mean, every single person of Mexican descent that I knew had heard about the legend, so it was super prevalent, super widespread. Just because they were familiar with the legend, though, doesn't mean they believed it necessarily, right? Right. Correct, man. Like My dad, for instance, he thought it was all BS. He didn't believe in it at all. You know, but then again, this was a tough guy who saw several cups in our kitchens rolling in circles on the counter one night. You know, he calmly set him down to the sink and proceeded to watch some boxing. So, yeah, but nothing scared that guy. Man, your house was so haunted. Dude, all the houses down that street had weird stuff going on. Every kid had stories about their house. And, of course, you know, some were more outlandish than others. But, yeah, that that neighborhood was a bit wacky. Well, you lived right across the street from a huge cemetery, yeah? But the graves didn't actually stop at the fence. Yeah, it didn't stop at the fence. No joke. All poltergeist and stuff. Dude, believe you me, we all thought the same thing back in the 80s. Creepy. So to answer your question, uh, yeah, you know, many knew, but not all believed. La Lechusa was one of those subjects that, you know, you and your cousins would talk about or friends during the day with impunity, right? Like you weren't sweating it. But personally, like for me, when night came around... I was a little creeped out, and, and I definitely didn't want to hear whistles outside my window or something or someone walking on my roof. I think people in general would be disturbed by hearing whistling outside their window or someone walking on their roof. Am I right? <laughs> It'd be kind of freaky, man, so for sure. Uh, time for another story? Let's do it. So when I was in my first year of college, I started dating this girl. Mexican girl from the valley. Her name doesn't matter as this story focuses mainly on the old woman who lived across the street from her parents' house. I started visiting her pretty regularly as we hit it off. Her parents were very nice and as a poor college kid, I really loved the home cooking. So every time I would stop by, I'd park my old jalopy in front of their home, right? And an old woman lived across the street from them, always sitting on her front porch. I try to be friendly and wave at her, ask her how she was doing. Hola, como estas? Nothing, nada. She wouldn't wave, acknowledge, nothing. Just stare at me. Give me the evil eye, man. She was weird. I tell my girlfriend's parents that the old woman across the street wasn't very friendly. But they kind of laughed it off and 
said she didn't really speak to anyone in the neighborhood. They told me to ignore her, and so I did. They also told me she was a bruja, a witch. Okay. This goes on for several months as we're dating. Finally, one Saturday night, I dropped my girlfriend off after some studying at the library. I walk to my car, and sure enough, the old bat is on her porch, just staring at me, giving me the stink eye. Well, I smile at her, and she stands up, and she points at me, and she's saying something, but I can't quite hear her. I ask her in Spanish if I can help her. She starts laughing at me. Well, I'm driving home after. I stop by a store, pick up a Coke and candy bar, and I can honestly say I was weirded out. So, I'm driving back home to my parents' house. It's my mom's birthday the next day, and I promised I'd make the three-hour drive back home to see her and uh, have some of her awesome home cooking. So I'm taking the back roads as I have an old car, and I didn't really trust it on the highways. I'm listening to the radio and driving down this almost abandoned farm-to-market country road at about 10, 10.30 at night, and I see this thing flying toward my car. I mean, coming right down the road, right at my car. First glance, it looked like an owl. The biggest damn owl you ever saw. But it was different. It kept coming down the road and swerved up, flew up at the last second, barely missing my car and making me swerve in the road. In my headlights, I got a better look at it. It was no owl. Now, I had heard the stories from families and friends enough to know what I thought this thing was. And while today I can be a bit cavalier about it, I can say I was absolutely terrified. It still terrifies me to this day, if I'm being honest. So I keep driving, and I speed up a bit. My adrenaline was up, and I was trying to process what I saw. I turned off the radio and was looking outside the windows in my rear view. I couldn't see a thing. Then I see it in the distance, in the middle of the road, coming for me again. Lechusa. It was a lechusa coming straight from my car, and I could hear its whistle above the road noise. A shape-shifting witch, a bruja, flying right at my windshield. In the back of my mind, I could hear my grandma's voice, my abuela, telling me to be a good boy, where the lechusa would visit me. I spilled my coke, I remember that, my jeans getting wet. And I swerved my car, barely avoiding this thing and damn near going into a ditch. I'm straightened out, give it more gas, and I'm back on the road. My windows are down, and I can hear it. The whistle. The whistle that you'll never forget once you hear it. Gave me the chills. So it circles around again, and I can see it coming straight from my car again, and I hear it. And I realize it's trying to run me off of the road into the ditch. I tighten my grip on the steering wheel and I grip my teeth. I'm not swerving this time. The lechuza doesn't swerve either. And its head hits the upper left corner of my windshield where the steel of the car and the glass meet. Now the windshield is cracked. And there's a bit of blood where she hit. I didn't hear the whistle anymore after that. I kept driving, trying to calm down and praying that my car didn't quit on me. I got to a turnoff soon after that that led to a highway. Now I got on that highway and I drove 45 miles an hour all the way home. It was a lit, there were people on it, 
and I finally felt safe. I never told my folks about it, and I scrubbed off the bit of blood at a gas station. Several days later, I drive up to my girlfriend's parents' house to pick her up. No place to park. Cars were everywhere. So I park a couple of blocks over, and I walk. And I notice all the commotion is at the old woman's house. Folks are standing out in front, coming in and out, talking, all dressed in dark colors. As I walk by, I noticed an old couple looking at me, just glaring. I smiled, waved, and walked on. Shook my head. Must run in that family. So my girlfriend told me that the old lady across the street had just passed away. And today was her funeral. And her family members were going through her house. Then my girlfriend says that her parents had just heard some news that involved me. Well, I was curious and I asked what it was, of course. Apparently, a relative of the old woman had always liked my girlfriend, had the hots for her, and didn't like the fact that she and I were dating. The word on the street was the old woman, the bruja, was paid to get rid of me using witchcraft, brujeria. I tried to laugh it off, but they were very serious and were visibly relieved that she was gone. I asked if they knew how she had died. Her father said the family had found her in her home with her head busted open, dead like she had been hit with a sledgehammer, or ran into a car going 45 miles an hour, I thought. I got up and I left that house, and I never went back. Santiago Gonzalez, my old Spanish teacher, told me that story, and he swore it was legit. Man. The family really didn't want good old Santiago dating his girlfriend, huh? Sounds like it, man. I mean, resorting to black magic and making deals with brujas just to get a guy to back off a girl you like? A bit extreme. Well, I mean, this was before the days of online dating. This was before the days of there something being called online, right? I mean, we had to know the Dewey Decimal System back then and read an encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, the choices for potential mates were limited you couldn't check the card catalog for girlfriends so <laughs> and so he just decided to ask the local witch to do away with his rival see what happens when there's no tinder yeah dude like rampant black magic occurs but <laughs> that said there's nothing like a couple of tons of old car going 45 miles an hour to smack a creature of legend on the head and send it to the netherworld car was probably made of silver or some sort of blessed alloy only a vehicle like that could have rolled a natural 20 on that monster. You know, maybe the windshield fluid was filled with like holy water or something. No doubt. Plus five holy avenging jalopy. Jalopy. That's such an archaic word. That's so funny though, man. And for those that don't know, it means crappy old car. But yeah, <laughs> the uh, wrong podcast, Max. This is Nightmares and Daydreams, not some sweet advanced Dungeons and Dragons forum. That'll be our next podcast. Fair enough, man. Hey, so what do you think of Mr. G's story? I love that story. It has so many elements that are hallmarks of classic fairy tales, especially stories involving magical beings, the witch, the shape-shifting especially. Absolutely, man. Uh, you know, the one that comes to mind for me, and this occurred ages ago, right? And when I say ages ago, I mean it was like before electricity when having your own cow was a huge thing. So in the story, the farmer's cow stopped giving milk, which was a bad thing. For sure. Back then, having a cow meant the difference between your family having a constant source of milk or not having nutrients at all. Good fats, butter, you could bulk up, as it were, fat and healthy. 
Yeah, milk was the thing back then, man. Milk and small beer. That's all you wanted to drink. <laughs> anyway, so this farmer decides to wait in his barn, right, to watch his cow and see if anything suspect is going on. So he's in the dark watching his cow, and this rabbit hops in the barn. Like that scary rabbit in the Vavitch. You know, that rabbit is creepy for sure. But imagine if Black Philip from Vavitch walked in the barn on his hind legs. <laughs> Hell no. A black goat walking on its hind legs can only be one thing. The devil. Mr. Tomness. <laughs> yeah, James McAvoy in the flesh. Dude, I got to be honest. I really prefer the cheesy 70s cartoon version of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yes. We digress. Okay, so the farmer sees this rabbit, right? Word. But he doesn't do anything. He's just watching the rabbit, and the rabbit's acting like a rabbit for a bit. And then it proceeds to hop over to the cow and bite the udders. <laughs> that rabbit has a vicious streak a mile wide. <laughs> as, mo as most rabbits do, the vile creatures. So rabbits, snakes, cats, toads. The most sought after which is familiars, just according to the lore. True. There you go. So Bernicula bites the cow and then? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Bernicula bites a cow. And then the farmer springs into action from the shadow, swings his scythe at the rabbit, and scores a hit. Lops off the rabbit's front Dang. paw. Nice shot with the vorpal scythe. Natural 20 all day long. So long story short, and I agree that was an awesome shot. Uh, long story short, the farmer follows the blood trail leading from his barn out into the pasture street because apparently this guy's a tracker of great skill. And the trail leads to the home of a local wise woman in town where he, of course, finds her nursing a bloody stump. The story goes on, but you get the drift. Absolutely. And that's always intrigued me. You know, when someone shifts into another sort of creature and they're attacked and injured, and how the injury translates back into their human form, usually in the form of a bloody stump or missing eye or what have you. But there was something about this whole thing that I found kind of frustrating. What's that? A great story? Exactly that, actually. The the stories, the information on La Lechusa is very sparse. Not a lot of books on the subject. You know, that's one of the things that I felt going forward. That was going to be something we would encounter in researching this subject. Because all of the lore that I've ever heard is in the oral tradition. You know, people just telling stories about it. Always stories. Talking about it after dinner, drinks, that sort of thing. I agree. Very little to be had hard copy wise. Nothing written on papyrus by the ancients. Yeah, those ancients didn't have a lot of info on La Lechusa. But, you know, there were two books that I grew up with that had quick stories on Lalichus, and I was super thankful for that. Uh, one was Stories That Must Not Die by Juan Sabago, which was great. That is a great book. I love the stories that the stories were in both English and Spanish side by side. Yeah. Great illustrations. Very cool. Creepy. And, uh, you know, the other book was called Ghost Stories of O Texas by Zanita Fowler. You know, she wrote a ton of books on Texas legends, but that one too has great old stories and some scary illustrations beyond La Lechusa. Old school books are the best. Mm -hmm. Also, especially if you're in Texas, you can find both those books in your library. Read a book, y'all. For sure. I agree. So, Max, I think now is a good place to go into an event that is fairly well documented and that many think that there is a direct correlation with La Lechusa. Let's do it. Are we talking about Big Bird? Yep, and not our pop from Sesame Street either, man. So in the Rio Grande Valley and beyond, folks in the mid-1970s were having bird encounters. What sort of encounters, Rock? So these weren't just any birds, and they weren't just any encounters. These were cases of some people sighting massive birds in the area of the valley in South Texas. And that area is in and around Harlingen, Raymondville, San Benito, Brownsville, and McAllen. 
And in some cases, we're talking more than sightings. One guy was attacked, correct? Absolutely. Let's start at the beginning, shall we? Always a good place to start. All right, so on January 1st, 1976, young lady, Tracy Lawson, 11, was out in her backyard playing with her cousin Jackie Davies, who was 14. Now, both of these young ladies saw a huge bird standing some 300 feet away near an irrigation canal. So they run inside, get a pair of binoculars, come back out, and look at the bird again to find it staring straight back at them. Some cryptids are so rude. No manners, man. So their parents, of course, didn't believe them. But the next day, January 2nd, a Mr. Tom Walden found a large three-toed print measuring 12 inches across and pressing impressive two inches into the hard-packed dirt near his Harlingen home. So, same bird? Maybe there was a flock of these things. I sure as hell hope not, because that would be truly scary. The next sighting occurred on January 7th, 76, by Patrol Officer Arturo Padilla in San Benito, Texas. Officer Padilla saw something lit up by the lights of his cruiser. Now, he went on to describe it as a, quote, really big bird. The bird in question stood over five feet tall and, according to him, had a wingspan of a whopping 12 feet. But check it out. That's not the kicker. Really? Because a five-foot-tall bird with a 12-foot wingspan sounds like the kicker. He claims the creature had a bald head and a gorilla-like face. Very simian. An avid hunter, Officer Padilla, went on to say he had never encountered anything like that before. His partner, one Homer Galvan, missed the initial sighting but saw a black shadow fly away from their vehicle. I feel like I probably remember seeing something like that. No joke, right? So the next encounter happened on the same night. Uh, again, January 7th, 76, a guy in Brownsville, Alvarico Guajardo, was jarred from sleep when something slammed into his trailer late one night. He ran outside to confront the culprit. Hey, who's there? Was met with a creature he described as something from another planet. A bird, but not a bird. He added later that it had a long, skinny beak and eyes like silver dollars. Needless to say, he ran back inside and waited till the morning to come out. And when he did, his trailer apparently had a nice-sized dent on its side. How do you explain that to the insurance person? I know, right? Big brown bird attacks trailer. We covered it. <laughs> Anyways, so the very next day, the local paper, the Brownsville Herald, ran the story of Guajardo's encounter. And that's when the whispers of La Lechuza started to be heard in the valley. Later on that month, January 15, 1976, in Raymondville, Texas, same general area, Armando Grimaldo, 26, was outside his house one night having a smoke when he heard some wings flapping accompanied by an odd whistle. Aha. Aha. There's that telltale whistle sound so prevalent in the Lechuso lore. Finally, right? I mean, this guy was attacked by this creature, right? It tore his clothes up, scratched him up pretty good before he was able to escape. His neighbors heard him crying for help, rushed over and found him scared as white as a sheet in his backyard. He would go on to describe his attacker as gorilla-faced with leathery skin. So not exactly the owl features associated with Lechusa, but still pretty damn horrifying. I sure as hell wouldn't want to see it. So in the piece the newspaper ran, Guajardo mentioned how much the encounter terrified him. Like it was almost an otherworldly fear. As you'd expect. I mean, seriously, what do you do when you're faced with something inexplicable like that? Who are you going to call, right? You know, maybe the local curandero? Maybe. <laughs> Seriously, though, I just think how much reevaluating you'd have to do. Yeah. I mean, this thing that's not supposed to be real at all is right here in front of you. I could see how some people just might go off the deep end after having an encounter like that. I agree, man. I mean, that's, and his especially, because that wasn't just a sighting. It was an attack. 
And so often encrypted sightings, well, that's all they are, sightings. And that's enough to shake some people to their very core, to make them question everything. I mean, can you imagine what that guy went through? What happened next? Well, you know, there were several more sightings, one by a trio of teachers from San Antonio who claimed they saw a pterodactyl-type bird in Harlingen, another by some guys out fishing. But same thing, same thing. Big bird, scary-looking, huge wing, huge eyes, whole nine yards. So to use the parlance of our times, the big bird flap, as it was called, it went viral. Papers around the world were running stories on it. The late, great Johnny Carson was doing bits on it on The Tonight Show, and local radio stations were offering rewards for the capture of this creature. Sounds like people, and not just locals, but people everywhere, were pretty interested in this phenomenon. Yeah, it definitely caught fire. And it died down because local experts were saying it was a Jabiru stork, a five-foot-tall bird native to South America that was found, oddly enough, very near the Rio Grande Valley during the time of the sightings. That coupled with other experts claiming it was nothing more than a blue heron that witnesses were misidentifying, well, that kind of laid some cold water on the whole slew of sightings. Locals weren't buying it, right? No. You know, while the experts were weighing in on the sightings, the local Hispanic population knew for a fact that La Lechuza had come to the valley to punish people. Personally, I'd rather have a detention. <laughs> yeah, me too. Are we ready for another story? Let's do it. This was during the holidays, back in the 80s. We had family over and the house was super busy. I was a teenager at the time and was in the stage where I kind of didn't want to be bothered, so I was shutting myself in my room. Soon my dad knocks on my door, tells me to come outside and visit. I told him I didn't want to, and we kind of got into it. Him telling me he was sick of my attitude lately, and I told him I didn't care what he thought, and ran past him and went outside. Now, we lived in what we called the country. A little bit outside of town, plenty of room to go walk and think. My friend Anthony lived across the way, not too far from us. I took my pack of smokes out that I kept hidden in a Ziploc bag near our barn and started to walk through a wooded area at the back of the house that would eventually end up near Anthony's house. I was so pissed off and I thought I was so cool and dark walking at night having an argument with my dad, smoking cigarettes I knew he didn't approve of. I was also upset that I had forgotten my new Walkman because I was loving the new Cure cassette. Looking back, I recall kind of reveling in that anger and blowing smoke and just thinking the world of myself. Then I heard a sound and stopped cold. Not far in front of me, I heard something moving around in a tree. It wasn't the wind because the wind wasn't blowing. Whatever it was, it was big because now I hear branches snapping. Hello, I call out. Who's there? Nothing. I feel the fear rising up in me, like all the anger I had a moment ago was just sucked out of me, and I start to hear a low whistle coming out of the tree, and then I knew what it was, Lechusa. I turn around and start running back to my house and I can hear the wings flapping and the whistling is getting louder. I hear my abuelita's words in my mind. Do bad things and Lechusa will come visit you. She feeds off of evil emotions. I ran harder than I ever have before. I heard the whistling getting louder behind me. I think I was screaming the whole way back to the house because my dog Buster was barking like crazy and alerted my family. 
As I run out of the darkness near my home, I saw my dad and my uncles outside and my grandma too. My dad was running towards me and I was never so glad to see him. I was a mess, hysterical, crying, trying to tell him I had just seen Lachusa, trying not to sound like a crazy person. My dad just hugged me. My abuelita and my aunts prayed over me that night, performed Olympia with an egg that helped get rid of whatever negative energy might still be attached to me from the encounter. I still remember all this like it was yesterday. And just a quick aside to keep you all in the know, Olympia is a cleansing ceremony, often done with, you know, some herbs, a raw egg, and usually some sort of incense, maybe Palo Santo or Copal, but it clears the area or person of negative energy or emotions. So you ever had one done on you? Yeah. Yeah, man, I had one done back in the day when I was a kid. Uh, I was sick and my aunt performed the ceremony. I felt better afterwards. Okay, so that one was to me more of kind of the stereotypical or at least typical cryptid sighting. Yeah, I mean, I, I can agree with you there, but it, you know, it also has a bit of a twist. How so? Well, you know, one of the supposed characteristics of Lala Chiesa is that she's drawn to negative energy, dark energy generated maybe, you know, from violence, people fighting. So in some aspect, she's a bit of an energy vampire. Since we're talking about this, let's get into the role she plays, shall we? I'm down. What do you have for us, Max? Well, the first role, like you alluded earlier, is that of a sort of punisher, almost a force of nature there to send a message to the offending parties. And so are there specific parties that she might go after? One you're pretty familiar with, having beers, hanging out at bars till the wee hours of the morning. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> hey, I call him like I see him. <laughs> Dude, I also worked at that bar. So yeah, going home at 4 a.m. was kind of a mandatory thing. <laughs> Shout out to Mugshots, Austin, Texas. Mugshots. I missed the $4 pictures. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Funnily enough, Lachusa punishes those party animals that stay out too late at bars hanging out and watching the drunkards stumble home before she has a go at them. So, dude, like, I've heard stuff like that in regards to stories with La Lechusa, right? So, in the stories, those drunks are men, yeah? And I guess in having a go at them, as you said, she sort of scares them straight. Isn't that the kind of legends? Makes them see the air of their ways, stay away from the alcohol abuse, and, you know, maybe just stay home and appreciate the family that you have at home, yeah? Indeed. So, she assumes this sort of role of protector of women and families. Yeah, and then in that same vein, doesn't she sometimes represent the spirit of a wronged woman? Yes. In some instances, they came up where the Lachusa basically harasses a man whose wife has died, and maybe he remarried a bit too early. Mm-hmm. So to all you guys out there with the, uh, you know, Side woman, you better be careful. Tread carefully. Lola Chusa, come for you, dog. <laughs> like you said earlier, she's also something of an energy vampire. She feeds off and is attracted to sources of negative energy or emotions. Like our last story with a kid, he gets into an argument with their dad and then storms off into the darkness to vent. Yeah, dude, that's like never a good idea, especially in the country. <laughs> nah. Going off into the dark out in the middle of nowhere. Bad things can happen. Yeah. Sometimes. Especially if you don't have your cure cassette to listen to, you know. <laughs> so, for sure. She was there, attracted to the dark motions of the brooding teenager alone in the woods. 
But in other instances, she almost takes on a Banshee-esque role. I love the Banshee. As she's sometimes viewed as kind of a harbinger, an omen of bad things to come. Some say if you see or hear her, something bad is about to happen. Yeah, so just like you said, a harbinger, something wicked this way comes, yeah. Apparently, also, great movie. Jason Robards, love him. I know, right? Max Dugan returns. Dude, going old school, young Matthew Broderick, great movie. But once again, we digress. Everybody, we do movie reviews for 80s classics here at Nightmares and Daydreams. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday. Let's stay on task. All right, Max. So question. Ask away. So in the unfortunate event of someone perhaps encountering Lalechusa in the real world, what are one's options? There's always running away and screaming. Well, yeah. I mean, that's always an option just in life, you know, but besides that. There are several remedies that I came across researching. First of all, there's the way of the gun, right? Oh, yeah. I've heard stories. Some folks have shot at her, you know. As you say, one must tread carefully. In some stories, a shotgun is enough to lay her low. Shooting her in her bird form, then the next morning, the old woman is found dead of a shotgun wound not far away. Yeah, you know, but I've also read in some stories that firearms have little to no effect on her, right? Exactly. And in some tales, the shots have been magically redirected and killed the shooter. Is there any indication that you discovered that special alloys or metals like silver have a particular effect with certain other shapeshifters? Not really, no. You know, and according to the lore, the werebeast weakness to silver, I think that's more of a Hollywood thing. Okay. So I guess I shouldn't melt my silver crucifix to make a silver bullet then. <laughs> no, you keep it. But there is another way to ward her off that's much more organic. Is it available at our local organic grocer? It is indeed. <laughs> So you can fling salt and chili powder in her face. You know, if you just happen to have that flavorful mix in your pocket as you're walking home late one night from a bar. Max, who doesn't keep that in their pockets? I mean, you're out walking and all of a sudden there's a margarita in your hand. You know, you might need to spice it up. I have some in my pockets right now. <laughs> the salt and chili powder thing that you just spoke of reminds me of a story that my mom used to tell us in regards to La Lechisa. She said that when she was growing up, Back in the day, you would hear and see Latrices flying around the neighborhood at night all the time. Kind of a normal thing, right? Yeah, one of the perils of living in a poor neighborhood, I guess. But she said the story was that if you saw a Lechusa in a tree on your roof, whatever, flying, you yelled this at them. I'm going to sprinkle salt on your tail. Works every time. Then La Lechusa would turn up the next day at your door, dress nicely, and pay you a small ransom for indeed not sprinkling salt on her tail. I mean, as long as she's dressed nicely. Yeah, exactly. If she comes in in shorts, just shorts and t-shirt, <laughs> I cannot abide a frumpled brua. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's funny, but that actually is pretty interesting. I mean, I've heard that before, kind of an old wives' tale that you're able to catch a bird by putting salt on its tail feathers. Dude, I, I figure if you're close enough to sprinkle salt on a bird's tail, you're probably close enough to catch that bird. But, you know, please, go on. Okay, yeah. Sling salt and chili powder in her face, and then maybe do the run and screaming thing as well. Yeah, like do that and then run and start screaming. Exactly. Are there other ways to ward her off? Here's another one that you're also probably very familiar with. Cuss her out. <laughs> Let's just say if you're able to create a whirlwind of profanity... You can get her to leave. Yeah, dude, thanks again, Max. First, all our listeners, uh, 
you know, know that I hang out in bars and now you're telling them that I have a mouth like a sailor. You know, no one's going to want to listen to this when they find out what bastards and scalawags run this show. But uh, please go on. Hey, well, they say that having a foul mouth is a sign of intelligence and honesty. I hope so. I'm the most honest person you know. Then. <laughs> but seriously, like, curse her out enough, she might leave you alone. Another way, the opposite, kind of, pray her down. Pray her down. Okay. Yeah. Now, we've run across two prayers that made the list. One is the Magnificat, La Magnifica in Espanol, a Catholic prayer taken from the Gospel of St. Luke. The other is the Our Father. Classic. Okay. I suppose if you're composed enough to recite a prayer when a winged monster is swooping down on you, that's one option. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The prayers have to be said both forwards and backwards. It's kind of a drunk text. <laughs> okay. Wow. I guess any port in a storm, right? So say you're able to get this prayer off forward and backwards and you say it when she's around. I might have to stick to swearing, actually. <laughs> Easier. <laughs> but according to the lore, she'll fall down from the sky. Apparently, it leaves her powerless. Maybe it paralyzes her. Yeah. The holy power paralyzing the flapping of the wings. I mean, who knows, man? First of all, that's a tough... Yeah. That's a tough road to hoe, a forward and backward prayer when something is whistling in your face with talons extended, right? I'd be more likely to be able to swear backwards. So there is another way... Uh, if the verbal assault of one kind or another doesn't work, is to tie a rope with seven knots and leave it hanging outside your front door. Hmm. Is that like a lucky talisman? I mean, horseshoe, you know, something like that? I don't know. Maybe it signifies something to La Lechusa. The mystical number seven plays a role. I don't know the origin, but it made the list. Hey, like I said, any port in a storm. You uh, ready for another story? I'm in. So this was the mid-60s, if my mind serves me right. My brother Gilbert and I were heading to the El Rancho movie theater in Victoria. I forgot exactly what we were going to go see because the real reason I was wanting to go was because I was meeting a girl there. So we met, and the lovely lady and I had a nice time at the theater with my brother sitting a couple rows in front of us. So the movie ends, right? We, all three of us, leave, and we begin walking home. Well, I tell Gilbert that I'm going to walk her home. He splits down another street and we continue on. Later, bro. By now, it's about 10 or so at night. And I eventually walk my girl home and start walking back to my house. So this is where it gets weird, right? I'm walking and I'm feeling good, man. I'm on cloud nine, walking on sunshine, all that. So I remember getting back to the movie theater, which was downtown and continuing on home past that. Now, downtown was well lit. A lot of lights, you know, cars, a lot of action. But once you pass downtown, the neighborhoods get pretty dark, maybe a streetlight every other block or so. Anyway, I'm onto Vine Street and it's dark now. All good, right? I'm not afraid of the dark. I walk the streets all the time, mainly because I don't have a car. Then I hear a whistle and I can't lie. I thought it was my brother Gilbert messing with me. That was my first thought. We all grew up with stories of La Lechusa. You hear a whistle in the middle of the night, don't whistle back. So instead, I start laughing loud, and I tell Gilbert to quit messing with me. No answer. Nothing. So I call out to Gil again. Gilbert, quit playing, hermano. But I don't hear a thing. Silence. And I mean nothing. It was like all the bugs stopped doing their thing. Just silence. So I start getting a little freaked out, and then right away I get 
real pissed because I'm like saying to myself, this is your brother messing with you? Because just a couple of nights ago, we were all sitting around talking about lechuzas, ghosts, all that stuff. So what do I do? I whistle back. For a second, nothing happens. And then as I'm gonna start walking again, a tree down the street just explodes. I mean, I start hearing branches snapping, what sounded like huge wings flapping, man. Whoosh, the tree, this tree was being wrecked. Because this is down the street near a street lamp, I see this huge thing fly out of the tree. Lechusa. I ran like hell the other way. I nearly crapped myself. As I'm running, I'm taking my belt off with my big old cowboy belt buckle and I start swinging it over my head in big circles. All I can think about is my mama telling me Lechusa would scratch her eyes out if you whistled back at her. So I'm hauling ass back towards downtown since it's closer, right? But it's still like three or four blocks away. I'm screaming, spinning my belt over my head, bobbing and weaving, running next to parked cars, and all the time I hear that whistle and the wings, man. The whistle is high and keeps going on. I kept expecting to be attacked. The crazy thing was I saw its shadow over me when I ran under a street lamp. It was huge. I thought it was a goner. Then a car turns the corner. And I can feel the air on my shoulders as a Latusa flies away when the lights of the car hit me. Man, I must have looked like a crazy person. Mexican dude running with a cowboy belt swinging over his head like a freaking lasso. That car just sped up past me, no lie. I got over back downtown to the lit portion of Victoria, then I went over to the La Paloma Club and saw some of my friends. They could tell I was freaked out, but I didn't say anything. And uh, they took me home. I told my mom and my brother when I got home, you know, my mom said some prayers over me that night. You know, in all my years, I've never seen anything like that again. But I have heard that same scary whistle many times over the years. It's a real thing. Damn, makes those late night dog walks a little more interesting. To say the least, man, you know, in these stories, La Lechuza is almost like an ambush predator, right? Just lying in wait, and then she comes for you. Here you are, just walking back from a date with a lady friend, and then a tree explodes in front of you, and you're faced with a flying creature out of legend that's out for blood. Well, Max, since you brought up flying creatures of legend, let's touch on one of my favorites real quick, the Tengu. Nice, the Tengu. Japanese legend. Always one of the favorites. Although they occupy quite a different role than La Lechusa. True. I mean, I think it's a bit of a god kind of teaching chosen warriors secret martial arts skills and kind of guiding them, yeah? Yeah, so while Wing, definitely a different thing than La Lechusa. Possibly my favorite, the Harpy. Yeah, dude, totally. Now this to me, when I was a kid and saw illustrations of the Greek Harpy, I was like, that's a Lechusa. Like, I had no doubt. No doubt. The closest resemblance, in my opinion. And they can both summon storms, are female, and will tear you to shreds with their massive talons. You know what's the message here, folks? Mess not with winged women. Always good advice. But that brings to mind another quick one I've read about. The Mujer Pajaro. The bird woman. Oh, bird woman. Yeah. Sighted around Monterey, Nuevo León. People claim to have seen a human-shaped figure covered in black feathers flying around there since around the late 1800s, last 120, 130 years. Yeah. Been there a while. She apparently has attacked people. If you're out of the way getting a hike in, tread carefully. 
You know, I would just have people carry that chili powder recipe that we were talking about earlier, right? Good call. I mean, you are going to be in Mexico. Best margaritas in the world, yeah? <laughs> and if you don't know any prayers, yeah, right? just swear. Just cuss like a sailor. Ladies and gents, that's going to do it for us this time around. And we super hoped you enjoyed the first podcast, our first show over here at Nightmares and Daydreams. And we sincerely hope to bring you more fun and weirdness on a regular basis. Absolutely. That's our mission. And please, if you enjoyed hanging out with Rock and myself, share us with your friends. Let them know about our little podcast. It's easy, especially for a new show, to get lost in the shuffle amid the thousands of other brilliant programs in the podcast verse. And please give us a shout on Twitter, come like our Facebook page, and visit us at our website at nightmarespodcast.net. As always, our awesome intro song is Calliope's Call by Teresa Joy. Find her at Viobrite, V-I-O-B-R-I-T-E, on the gram and Facebook. So until next time, sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.